Thank you for listening to the teaching podcast of Muncie First Church. If you would like to know more about us, go to MuncieFirstChurch.com. Or if you would like to support a ministry, go to the giving page, MuncieFirstChurch.com slash give. Well, let's jump into the teaching from this last week. A couple things before we get started I'd like to do, I need to do. And one is, um, I'm going to pray together. There's several needs, physical needs that we're going to pray for today. I was told that Mary uh, Miller, who has been a part of our church for a long time, uh, is having some real problems. She had a stroke recently, and now she's having some issues and not being able to really get on top of things. And so we want to pray for her. Uh, so I know that's important. Nikki Thompson has asked us to pray for her. I want to continue to remember her. She's having some physical needs uh, as well, and we want to pray for that. Also, there's a request that I would ask for you to pray for me and for the church for. Um, Madison Yingling has been doing a great job with our children, and she took over as the leader of our children's department, and she has just done a fabulous job. But Madison is having some physical issues as well and is going to need to step down. And I hate that. I really hate that because she is doing such a great job. But um, if you would pray for us that we would find the right people and find the right person find the right way to do this that uh, God would provide, I'd sure appreciate that. It's a lot on my heart right now, to be honest with you. Um, it just feels heavy. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know about you guys. I mean, you know, I know it doesn't affect you the same way, but I don't go home from church and go, well, that was good. And don't think about it again until next week. You know, it's, it's on my heart all the time and sometimes in the middle of the night. And so I just need you to pray for, that we'll find who God has for us, and I know he does, and we'll, we'll take care of that. And pray for Madison. She just really needs our prayers right now, too. She's also trying to get married and all those other things, and she teaches full-time. You know, there's so much in her life, so just, just pray for her. And she's not going anywhere. She's going to be here with us, and, you know, she'll still be involved with the children, but she just can't be the leader right now, so uh, we understand that. So we'll just be praying for her. So let's pray together right now before we begin. Father, I just want to thank you for this day. I thank you, Lord, that you are worthy. I love that song, Lord. Thank you for giving that song to us. Um, Lord, you are worthy. Uh, uh, you are worthy to, uh, of all praise. You're worthy of all honor. You're worthy of our lives. You're so good to us, Lord. My heart was just overwhelmed with praise as I was singing that, Lord, thinking about all the things that you have blessed me with, the way that you've given me life and hope. How far from you I've walked at times. How many times I've turned my back and looked the other way and you still loved me. Lord, you're worthy of all honor, all glory, all praise. We lift you up today. We worship you and we just thank you for who you are. You are so good. And today, Lord, we bring to you these needs. We think of, of Mary Miller today down in South Carolina, and we ask that you would touch her. Lord, you know the physical need. We prayed Wednesday, and we believe that you are a God who touches and heals. And we prayed for her then, and we still pray for her now, that God, you will touch her, that you will bring healing to her body, that she will experience all that you have for her, a complete and total healing, and that she will... Uh, rise up from the bed strong and able to go and love you and praise you and worship you and, and, and live her life for you, Lord. We pray right now for Nikki, 
Lord, and we prayed for her the other night. We believe in your healing touch. And Lord, we just continue to pray for you to heal and to move. Lord, give us peace, Lord, that we know that you're in charge. Give us that peace of God that passes all understanding, Lord, that we're not sitting here stressed out and worried and thinking, oh man, it's never going to happen. Give us peace that you, God, are in charge and that you will do what you said you will do. And we can have confidence in that. Lord, be with the other needs that are here, Lord, that I may not have mentioned the physical needs. I think of Billy, uh, and I think of uh, his Uncle Everett, and I think of so many others. Touch them all today, Jesus. Lord, I pray right now for Madison. I thank you, Lord, for her life. She has been such a, a blessing and coming alongside of and support and one who has been there to lift up arms and, and to love us and to care for us and, and most importantly to care for our children. And she has just done a fabulous job. And I, I, Lord, I just thank you for the time that she's given to us. And Lord, I pray your blessings upon her. I pray that you will touch her body and that you will help her and that she will experience all the good things that you have for her in this life. And Lord, I pray right now that you'll be with her. She goes through the process of getting married, that you'll touch and be with her and that it will be just a great time. And Lord, I pray that you will open our hearts and our minds and that you will give us the right person, that you will lead us into the right place, that you will open doors, that we will know what you want, Lord, and that we will find that. And Lord, whatever it is, we want to be faithful to what you have for us. So help us to keep our minds open and our hearts and our eyes fixed on you. Jesus, you are so good, and I love you, and I praise you today for all that you do. Thank you, Lord. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, I want to talk to you today. We're starting a new series called CORE, and it's, uh, it's really uh, a foundational kind of uh, series that we have here. And I'm glad you're here, and I hope that you'll be back next week and you'll continue to let me build this. Um, Brooke said, uh, prayed for me to have, be able to articulate the vision well, and I'm, I'm hoping that over the next weeks we can do that. It's not a thing that I feel like I can just say, here's what it is, five easy little things, and boom, you got it. It's, it's going to be something that we do over time uh, to re-articulate that. You know, every building has to have a foundation. This building has a foundation. Uh, your house has a foundation. Some are better than others. Uh, the, the, some have been worked on a lot recently. <laughs> uh, you know, a foundation's really important to a building. Uh, and uh, if you don't have a foundation, you're not going to support it. It's not going to stay very long. Every organization also has to have a foundation. That's something that we've learned. Every organization has to have a foundation. And the strength of that foundation will really determine uh, the usability of that building or the usability of the, or the strength of the organization that we're a part of. If you don't have that foundation built, uh, it's not going to last. The Bible's real clear on that. Jesus talked about that in the Sermon on the Mount. He said that when you build the house on the rock, that storms of life can blow and come and, and it won't destroy it. And the same is true in our own lives and in our church life. So we need to have those structures in place, that foundation in place for the structure to be built on. And uh, they have to be things that we believe are true. They have to be truths that we don't think will change. They have to be truths that won't change, actually, in the shifting of life. You know, because the things that we do here are different than what they used to be. 25, 24 years ago, when I first came here to this church, 
What we did was totally different than what we did this morning. Okay? We had a choir. We had robes. There was organs and pianos. That was one thing. You know, the way we approached preaching the Word was totally different. The way we do everything was different. But what didn't change is what we believe in. That structure has to stay in place no matter what. We always have to have those core beliefs. They have to stay the same. They cannot change. And if we put up as our core values anything that can shift, it's not a core value. It's, a, it's, it's just going to fall apart eventually. So whatever I say here today and, and in the next few days, I, these are things that are going to be there 150 years from now, 2,000 years from now if God tarries. They're still going to be true and they're still going to be in place. Okay, and so I want us to understand that. So these are very important. They're not new because they're stuff that we've been talking about for all along because they are the foundation of the church, you know, so they're not new. I'm just going to reiterate them to you. I'm just going to try to help you re-understand them. So I, I hope you'll understand that, but they're the foundation stones of who God says we are. So the first thing I want to say is this, that God is at the center of everything and that he is good. If we don't believe that, then we don't have anything. It's all over. That, to me, is the most core of core values, that God is at the center of everything and that God is good. And you have to come to that conclusion in your life. You have to believe that if you're going to believe in God and if you're going to trust Him for everything in your life. If you don't do that, th then you're in trouble. Our view of God, what we believe about God, is absolutely essential to our faith. In the church, my guess is there are very few that say, I doubt that God exists. Almost everybody would say here today. In fact, I would bet pretty clearly, pretty easily, I would go across this and say, you know, I think everybody here would say, yeah, I believe God exists. Probably none of us here would say, I doubt he's real, I doubt he exists. He's just a fantasy. But in the world, there are those who express that doubt. There are those in the world that you will talk to, people that you will come up against, people you will meet along the way who will tell you, I don't know if God exists or not. But I doubt that in the church, here at least. But I do think there are maybe some who would say God is real, but I have my doubts that God is good. Even in the church, I hear people say things that I go, wow, they're struggling with the idea that God's good. You know? And, and I'll talk about that here in just a minute. See, we see everything from different perspectives. How many of you understand that? We all have a different perspective in life on stuff. You know, each of us see it from a different place. For instance, when, when uh, Peyton Manning was uh, quarterback of the Colts and Tom Brady was quarter, quarterback for the evil empire, um, <laughs> depending on your perspective, those of us who are Christian and Colts fans believe Peyton Manning was the greatest of all time. And those who were from the evil empire and of the devil believe that Tom Brady is. It's a perspective thing, you know. I, I don't know what my perspective is. I haven't figured that out yet, but just in case you wondered. It's just the way it is. It's just the way it is. And, and so much depends on our, on our perspective of things. Um. So many people see God as good, and their perspective is clear. Um, they see God as good and righteous and involved in everything. But others see God as far from good, and they ask questions like this, if God is good, why does he let my little boy die? You know, we saw that recently over there, uh, that Christian, uh, I forget his last name, but uh, he died recently. And, and a lot of people are asking, well, if God's good, why would he let that happen? 
Or, you know, why would God let that guy go into Walmart and shoot up Walmart like he did? So, you know, a lot of people asking that question, if he's good. Many people see God as a reality, but many people see him as far off, that he created and that he either lost interest in his creation, and I've heard this argument, that he lost interest in his creation and just doesn't care, and so he's just stepped back and let it go, and creation is just spinning out of control farther and farther, and eventually will just disintegrate, will just uh, tear itself apart and die off, and God doesn't even care. I've heard that. So what we believe about God and the way we see God really does matter. And I want to begin today by talking about God from the perspective of someone who questions the goodness of God for just a moment. Because maybe you have a son or a daughter who has gotten cancer and, and gotten sick and maybe you lost them or maybe you question the goodness of a God who allows pain. Or I sat and ate breakfast with a guy this week who lost a child when a drunk driver ran over them. Uh, you know, so I mean... I want to talk about this because I think we need to. So you're asking the question, if God's good and has all power, why wouldn't he stop all the suffering that people go through? I mean, it makes sense to some people. The idea that most of us have is that all suffering is bad. You know, most people believe that. They believe that all suffering is bad. If you're suffering, you need to do something to get rid of the suffering. We are not a generation who suffers well. <laughs> you know, uh, we so desperately want to be comfortable again. I, I find it very interesting when I go to the hospital with uh, senior adults who, have, who are really elderly, they'll, they'll say, if I can just get home, everything will be okay. What they're saying is, if I can just get comfortable, if I can get things back to the way they're supposed to be, everything will work out. And, and I understand that. I do. I understand that. Um, but we don't believe that good can come from suffering. And we don't believe that suffering serves any real purpose in our lives. And, and most of us, like I said, are just desperate for comfort. So first of all, I want to keep in mind that God made a perfect world and that sin messed it up. I want to start with that. That, that God made this perfect world that he created. And if you go back to Genesis chapter 1, 2, 3, he talks about that. And, and we believe that God created this beautiful world. I don't know if it was in 24-7, uh, 24-hour days or not. I don't know exactly how it happened. I just know that he said he created it and it's perfect. And he says he stepped back and he called it good. And then he said, now, if you sin, if you don't do what I've asked you to do. If you don't follow my leading lead on this, that, that you will die. And he's kept his promise. That sin is our fault. That we have caused sin. Sin's on us. The reality is if God as a whole removed the consequences of sin, we would become like spoiled children. You know what I'm talking about? You know, when you tell a child, Look, if you do that, you're going to be in trouble. And they do it. And you go, look, if you do that, you're going to be in trouble. And they do it. And you go, look, if you do that, you're going to be in trouble. But you never do anything about it. And they become very, very spoiled. And they become very, very difficult to be around. Anybody have anybody they've seen like that? We, we won't ask you to answer that. In fact, we see that today in sin. Because we do get by with it, it seems. I mean, could you imagine immediately if you told a lie, your pants caught on fire? Or, or, or if you hated somebody, you just dropped dead? There'd be a lot less sinning going on. I promise you that. A lot of people would say, whew, nope, can't do that because I'll die. But you know what? It doesn't happen. I hear people tell me lies all the time and their pants don't catch on fire. And I hear people say things that are hateful on TV and on Facebook and on all over places on the news that are just awful, and they don't die. And so it seems like we're getting by with sin, doesn't it? 
It really does. And so, if they think we're getting by with sin, then we go ahead and we do it. Because we don't die immediately, we say sin has no consequences, therefore there's no God, I can do what I want. Most people don't do that all the way through their life. Somewhere along the way, when they start getting to the point where they think they're going to die, they try to make peace with God, because you know, just in case they want to go to heaven. But if we look careful, if we're really diligent about this and dig into it, we'll realize that sin has deep consequences. It doesn't take too much to understand that. If we will dig into it, we will see that. Secondly, a lot of people have a jaded idea that God is amused by the suffering of his creation. I just totally disagree with that. I don't believe that at all. But there's a philosopher, J.L. Mackey, that I've read that makes this statement in his book, The Miracle of Theism. He said, if a good and powerful God exists, he would not allow pointless evil, but because there is much unjustifiable pointless evil in the world, that traditional good and powerful God could not exist. Some other God or no God may exist, but not the traditional God of the Bible. And, you know, for a lot of people that sounds right. And it seems to make a lot of sense in their mind and helps form their perspectives. But there's a problem with his reasoning. It's faulty because his idea is, is that the world is full of pointless evil. His premise is that if evil appears pointless to me, then it must be pointless. And the problem is, is that he's not God. He's seeing his perspective again. Just because I don't see or understand a good reason why God might allow something to happen doesn't mean there's not a good reason for it. I, I mean, like right now, a lot of us, if we read the Bible and we know the Old Testament, we have no problem with the fact that God took Israel into exile, for instance. And the reason we have no problem with that is because we know what, how it comes out. We know that he took them into exile so that they would be redeemed, so that he could bring them back. Because they had fallen into deep sin. They had fallen into this, uh, to totally not doing what he asked them to do. And then he lets them go into exile, and then he brings them back out of exile. And then he makes a redemptive nation out of them, and Jesus comes out of that. And God's in the process of trying to redeem the world through them. He needed them to be a holy nation, and they weren't a holy nation. So he did what he had to do to bring them to a place of obedience. And so we go, no, that probably isn't a big deal at all. Except for them, they didn't understand that. In fact, there's a lot of them that had no idea. They just knew that, hey, my crops don't grow anymore, and, and I'm out of my land, and things aren't good. And they, they were broken and hurting. They didn't understand. It seemed justified. It seemed unjustified to them. It seemed horrible. Why wouldn't God protect and defeat the enemy of his people? He had promised. But the problem with Israel was they had rejected God. So God brought discipline upon them. And it's the same kind of idea that we do when we talk to our kids. As you discipline your kids, you spank them or you ground them or whatever it is you do with your kids to get them to listen. And as you do that, they think you're evil. How many of you think your kids ever thought you were evil? Raise your hand. I don't care. I, mine did. I tell you, man, Stephen, Stephen, man, he still tells the story about how he was grounded from the time he was six until he graduated from high school. It's not just not a whole lot of uh, untruth in that. You know, it's pretty close. But I had to get his attention. You know what? He tells me now. He says, thanks. But at the time, he told me how awful I was. He, he'd sit up in youth group and tell everybody how awful his dad was. All the, all the other teens knew how awful Pastor Mark was because, you know, he, he wouldn't do what Steve thought I, I ought to do, you know. And, and he didn't, he was unhappy about me. But, but I did it because I loved him. I had a higher purpose for his life than just making him happy. So often when we look at evil, we have to understand this. God has a reason and a purpose that is beyond our understanding. And we need to understand that what may seem evil might be discipline. It might be a lot of different things. 
And if we take the time and effort to really examine history, we'll see that God has some good reasons for much of the tragedy that's part of our world, the sin, the horror that, that is responsible. And it's sin and horror that's responsible for the rest. So that's just a little background. What I really want to do today is take you to Psalm 145. And I want to read that psalm. And then I want to talk about the goodness of God. Because see, I come to you today, not from a philosophical point of view, but from the Bible. I'm coming to you today as a believer in the Word of God, and that is my authority. And so I'm teaching it that God is good because I believe He is. I get my authority from Jesus Christ. Jesus said at one point, there's only one who is good, and that is God. And I get my authority from the Word of God, which tells us that God is good. So I want to talk about it from there today. Psalm 145 says this, I will exalt you, my King, my God the King. I will praise your name forever and ever, and every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord, most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. One generation commends your works to another. They tell of your mighty acts. They speak of the glorious splendor of your majesty, and I will meditate on your wonderful works. They tell of the, powerful of your, the power of your awesome works, and I will proclaim your great deeds. They celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, and rich in love. The Lord is good to all. He has compassion on all he has made. All your works praise you, Lord. Your faithful people extol you. They tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all people may know of your mighty acts and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. This is Psalm of David. God has made him abundantly known, has made himself abundantly known to this shepherd king. David is a prophetic king. He, he is a king who God has spoken to, who speaks to, and David proclaims truth. He foretells even some truths, and he proclaims the truth about who God is in these psalms that he writes. And according to this psalm, God's goodness is totally linked to God's righteousness. In Psalm 145.3, it says this, Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. We know that God is great. I, you know, we, we can read it all through the Bible, different places. It talks about the greatness of God. But I've got to tell you something I know. I know that you can be great without being good. That the Caesars of Rome were great. That others have had moments when they did great things, but never were they called good. So we know that you can be good, a great, but not good. In verse 4, God is called mighty. I love that. God is a mighty God. We, we worship Him. We celebrate God as being a mighty God, and, and we're okay with that. But i got to tell you that God could be mighty without being good. Adolf Hitler was mighty, but he certainly was never good. That's a fact. Verse 5 talks of God's splendor and majesty. God could be resplendent and gloriously majestic, and we know that he is. And, and you know, Solomon, the king, was resplendent and glorious in ways that no one ever was before or since. The Bible talks about how the, the lilies of the field, they're dressed more glorious than Solomon, but no one else was. He was it. But we also know that Solomon ended his life in a bad way, and he was not a good king. In verse 7, Verse 6, the psalmist talks of God's power. God can be powerful. Joseph Stalin was powerful. 
controlled the lives of millions and millions of people, took the lives of millions and millions of people, but he was not good. God can be powerful and not be good. Verse 7, the psalmist says, they will celebrate your abundant goodness and joyfully sing of your righteousness. God's goodness and his righteousness, they're totally linked together. And I want to show you that God's goodness comes from his righteousness. When we talk about God's goodness, we're really talking about his holiness. God is holy. He is righteous. He is good in every way. His very actions, everything he does, everything he thinks, everything about God is good. It's righteous. It's holy. When we talk about being made in the image of God, we're not talking about our looks. You know, you look in the mirror, that's not what God looks like exactly. You know, he looks like you. We're not talking about your hair color. We're not talking about your physical bodies. God does not relate to us by our looks. He doesn't relate to us by our talent levels. He doesn't relate to us and love us based on how successful we are. Aren't you glad about that? God doesn't love Andy Stanley more than me because Andy's preaching to 50,000 and I'm only preaching to a few. That isn't how God sees us. Praise the Lord for that. He doesn't relate to us or love us more or less based on anything we give to him. If I give him a million dollars, he still loves me exactly like he loves me today. If I don't give him anything, he still loves me like he loves me right now. He totally and fully relates to me for one reason, because he loves me, because he's good, because he's righteous, because he's holy, because it's who he is. He is love, he is righteousness, he is holiness, he is good, and he loves you completely. When you were made in his image, you were given his spirit. He blew his breath into us. And when he did, he blew his goodness, his righteousness, his holiness into us. We were made in his image, in his holy, righteous image, his good image. We were invited to join with him in the fellowship that he shared with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. No doubt about it, God is worthy of praise. No doubt about it, God is great. No doubt about it, that God is majestic. No doubt that he is powerful, all-powerful. But I'm glad that God doesn't relate to me based on those things, on the premise of his greatness or his majesty, because I couldn't match that. But his righteousness, God gave me his righteousness when I was, when we were created. And it's that that he relates to. It's that nature of who he is that he gave to us that he relates to. God's perfection in every way. God's goodness. He relates to us in holy love. But keep in mind that you fell. Keep in mind that you sinned. Keep in mind that you were broken. Keep in mind that you ruined that image of God that was in us. Keep in mind that that no longer exists. Keep in mind that you are no longer good, that you are a sinner, that you are a broken person. And God still relates to us. How does he do that? He brings judgment sometimes. He brings punishment. He does it so that he can bring about the ultimate purpose of his love to bring you back to himself, to bring you back to wholeness, completeness. See, God's love, his goodness is not fuzzy and soft. 
See, a lot of people want to talk about God, and they want a God who's loving. It's just like, oh, God, I just, I just so love God. And, you know, we sing songs, and we sound like we're singing to a boyfriend sometimes. I'm not putting down any of the songs. They're good songs. I'm not picking on you, Nathan. <laughs> but you know what I mean. And sometimes we do those kind of things. And when we do that, you know, we're missing the point. That isn't necessarily the love of God. I love that we can relate to him in a personal way, but God's love isn't fuzzy and soft. Sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's discipline hard. Sometimes it hurts. Sometimes it rocks us to the core of who we are. Sometimes it makes us feel bad. You know, and, and today we don't ever want to make anyone feel bad, right? But God does because sometimes you're wrong and you're guilty and you need to feel bad because he wants you to come back. He loves you. He loves you and he's doing everything necessary to bring you into conformity with his love because God knows that we were created for love. We were created to be good. We were created to be holy and righteous like him. That's what we were made for. That's how we were made. That's when we were perfect. Because our Father knows that's what we were created for. He's determined to bring us back to that. He will not leave you a wreck. He seeks you. And how does God show us His goodness? And this is the part that really wrecks me up. God revealed or related His goodness to us through the birth and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. His death and His resurrection. John 3.16 is a great scripture that teaches that. We, we all can quote that verse pretty much across the board probably. And it's a great verse. And I have no problem with us quoting it. But Lord, but, but we need to start listening to what it really says to us. It says, for God so loved the world. He was good. And he loved the world. And he gave his one and only son so that whoever believes in him, Jesus will not perish or will not die, but will have everlasting or eternal life. And that's not fuzzy. And that's not warm. We make it that way. We sing the Christmas stories. Pretty soon it'll be Christmas again and we'll have Nathan lead us in some more Christmas music. He loves doing that. And so we're going to do that again. And uh, we're going to have some fun with all that. And we make it warm and fuzzy. But see, the thing is, Jesus was sent here as a sacrifice to die. And when you think about it, it means he was sent here as a bloody sacrifice. He was sent here to die for you. It's not a pleasant thought in many ways. God is so good, he would relate to us as a human through the person of Jesus Christ. See, that when we do this, sometimes we think God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. We, we don't think of Jesus as God, but he was God. He, God himself took on human flesh. He joined us here. He walked among us. He, he healed the sick. And then he willingly went to a cross and died for our sins all the sins that were ever committed all the sins that will ever be committed they were all assigned to him and assigned to him as his own he took them on himself your sins everything that you've ever done and everything that you ever will do he took it and then he died alone and placed they placed him in a borrowed grave or tomb he descended into hell where he took on Satan and he defeated him. And three days later, he rose from the grave. And when he came back, he brought with him the paperwork that says all sins have been canceled. It's a done deal because he's good. He's righteous. He's holy. Wouldn't it be cool if next week I came in here and I had a piece of paper with me and I said, hey, I met this guy this week. He's a billionaire. And he said, let me know how, 
everybody in your church has debt. I want to pay everybody's debt. And I said, he did it. You're all debt free. Anybody here be excited about that? I thought I might get a few hands on that one. Yeah. <laughs> debt free. Woohoo. We don't have to pay those bills anymore. That's what you are. Spiritually, you're debt free. It's been paid in full. The paperwork is there. It says it. Debt free. Right now, there ought to be celebration in the church. We ought to be sitting there smiling at least. Most of us are sitting there like, well, so. So you don't have to go to hell. So you won't die. So you'll live eternally. Because God is good. And he's good all the time to us. Because he cares about me. And he cares about you. And he set us free to love and to experience life. I don't have to walk around with the frown on my face. I don't have to walk around angry at everybody all the time. I don't have to walk around defeated by everything that goes on around me. All of it's been taken care of. Jesus has made me free. He's given me hope. The kingdom is now. Amen. And he sets you free, not just so you can go out and do whatever you want. That's the thing. Freedom isn't go do what you want now and just don't worry about it and commit more sin. It's not like that. He's given you freedom to live like you were made to live in holiness and in righteousness and in goodness. I don't have to do all those things that, are, uh, that, that tear me down. I get to now do what I was made to do, be in fellowship with God, love Jesus, move about this world and love the other person. Even if they don't love me, I don't have to worry whether or not uh, I've upset somebody and, and they aren't going to love me. I can still love them. My heart is free to love. Free. Gave us freedom from Satan and sin, and all we have to do is to receive it and to believe it and accept it. I've got to tell you the truth, when someone's been that kind of good to you, like right now, if I walked in here and I was able to produce that paper and said, that billionaire, he said it's all free, man, all of us would be like, well, we want to meet the guy, bring him in here, we want to make sure that, uh, you know, we thank him properly for what he's done. I, I would. When somebody's been that kind of good to you, you've got to be grateful. The psalmist said it this way, you have, you have made, um, all you have made will praise you, O Lord. Your saints will extol you. That means praise you. They'll tell of the glory of your kingdom and speak of your might so that all men may know of your mighty acts and all the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom. Your domain, uh, dominion endures through all generations. The Lord is trustworthy in all he promises and faithful in all he does. See, it's saying to us that God is good. And he's demonstrated that. And he's demonstrated to us the extent to which he will go. To show you his love. You know, when I was dating Darcy, when many of you dated whoever and were getting married, you demonstrated your love. You, you would go to any lengths. I remember driving hours because we had a separation between us. She lived in Kankakee and I was in Danville, Illinois. I remember running out of gas because I was saving money to buy a diamond ring to put on her finger. Any lengths to demonstrate my love. Any lengths. God has demonstrated his love like this. While you were yet sinners, Christ died for you. Wow. Wow. Yet we turn our backs and we look away. And we take his love for granted. The core value 
of Muncie First Church, number one is God is good. In other words, it's God loves us too much to just pass over our sin. He loves you way too much to just say, eh, don't worry about it. And here's the deal. I want you to hear this part. You can count on God being that same God every day of your life. Every day. You know, I used to wonder when my dad came home, was he going to be in a good mood or in a bad mood? Anybody here ever been there before? Is he going to be in a good mood or bad mood? If he's in a good mood, about twice in his life, you know, I knew it was going to be fun. If he's in a bad mood, it meant duck and get out of the way because things were going to be flying and you were going to be the object of wrath, you know? I'm thankful that I don't have to sit here today. I didn't walk into church here today and go, oh God, I hope you're in a good mood. Man, I hope you're in a good mood. But I don't know. He might just zap a few people here today. Might cook a few. You know, they've been kind of extra bad. I don't know. It's not like that. God's always in a good mood. Did you know that? He's always in a good mood. And he always wants to be with his children. And there's never a time in your life when he's going to say, you know, just get out of here. I, I, I just can't deal with you. I, I do that sometimes. I've done that with my children. Just, just leave. I don't even want to talk to you right now. You know, it's just too frustrating. But that's not God. God's always there and always loves us. He's always in a good mood. This core value has to be lived out by living in loving obedience and praise to our good Father. He has been good to us. We need to become obedient and loving to Him and begin to praise Him. And that isn't something that you do in church on occasion. Okay? We have fallen into this ugly trap and into this false belief in the church that says that we go to church if we want to, but we don't need to. And we don't have to be a part of the church on a regular basis. And I don't really have to be obedient to God that much. I mean, it's like, I'm, you know, it's, there's grace, right? That's a false teaching. Grace that says that once you're saved, you can do whatever you want to do, and God will stay, will stay the same. It's false teaching. Grace, and we'll talk about this more, it's another one of the core values, but grace is given to you to love and be obedient to Him, not to do whatever it is you want to do without any repercussion for that, okay? Grace is not cheap. It's the gift of God to you so that you can become like you were meant to be, so that you can become like Him. And we need to start waking up and realizing that we can't just go, ah, casual Christianity, it's all I need. That's no Christianity. That's not following Jesus. It's moment by moment, day by day, all the time, living out what we believe to be true, that God is good. God's love to us is just too much to pass over. And he loves us too much to pass over our sins. And so we have to live it out every day, every moment, in all circumstances. We owe him our lives. So what does this matter? Let me just wrap it up here. It matters because at times the circumstances of our lives suggest something other than the truth that God is good. There's going to be circumstances come up and you're going to go, well, where's God in this? You know, I, I'm, I'm looking around here and I've seen, I've been through tragedy with some of you. 
times when you just could not for the life of you figure out why God was allowing certain things to happen in your life. And I still don't know. I'm not sitting here telling you that I've got the answers for that. But I know that God is good in the midst of it. And you got to be you got to be there. Because if you wait until that tragedy hits and try and figure it out, it will crush you. You have to be there now. You have to come to that conclusion that God is good. That has to be who you are inside. So that's why this core value, it builds the foundation. It's rock bottom solid, and it has to happen. Bad things happen. Sin has dealt the earth a crushing blow, and evil still trying to overwhelm us, and Satan is still trying to confuse you. Keep that in mind. Our faith in the goodness of God has to be our reality, and when it is, it sustains us. God's goodness is the reality that we have to keep our eyes on in the midst of the waves and the storms of life. Okay? Because they're coming at you. I don't know who you are right now in that, where you are in that, I should say, in, in that place right now, but I know right now that before this life is over, there's going to be some storms that are going to come at you big time. And when the waves are crashing around you, if you have your eyes on the waves, you're in trouble. If you have your eyes on the fact that God is good, you're going to be okay. He's going to sustain you. I know this firsthand. I've experienced it. I've been in those places. Recently, I've been in those places. Times where I look at life and I've gone, man, where Satan has said, curse God and die. And where I've had to look and say, but I know that God is good. And I'm going to believe that. And I'm tied to that. And I'm not going to do anything but believe that. And I'm hanging on to that. So Satan, get out of my life. You are not. You are not going to convince me otherwise. I know God is good. And I know he loves you. And I know he wants your life to be what he made it to be. Now, it seems to me that we might have, a lot of us, made a commitment somewhere along the way and said, I, I believe in Jesus and I, I want to be saved. And, and I, I believe in that. I, I don't think that you should renounce that ever because that is your moment of salvation. But it also seems to me that, that maybe there's things in my life that I have to pray about and there's things in your life that you need to pray about from time to time and say, you know what, Lord? I've fallen short here. I've, I've failed right here. I have been living for myself over here. I, I haven't been really believing that you're good, and I need to reestablish that today. I don't know. Maybe there's no one here that needs to pray. Maybe you're all good. This sermon really wasn't for you. I just was talking to myself. It was good for me. So if nothing else, I got a lot out of this today. And I praise God for that. But I have a feeling he might be talking to some of you. That maybe some of you need to just swallow some pride and get down on your knees and say, Lord, you're good. And I need everything you've got. And I just ask you right now to help me, to forgive me, to give me strength to go on, <clears throat> to deal with the things that I've got to deal with, that I need to confess in front of everybody that I'm not perfect, that I, I need you. He's a good God cares about everything you're going through right now. promise you that. promise you that. He loves you. Let's stand together. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing. And
and then anybody that wants to come up here, Neil, pray. I'll be over on the side over there. If you want to talk to me, I'll be over there to talk to you. If you need me to pray for you about something, physical healing, uh, something in particular, I'll meet you over there and we can pray together over there. But God is good. I know that. Praise the Lord for that. Father, right now, I thank you for being here with us. I thank you for your presence. I thank you that in the midst of storms, if we keep our focus on you, Lord, we realize that, that you're the rock, you're the anchor, that your goodness is real that you don't change, you don't shift with the shadows. Lord, you are the same today, yesterday, forever, and we're going to believe that, Lord, and we establish that today. We put that stone down. That core is in place, and we are building our lives on the fact that God is good, and He's good all the time, and that He loves us deeply, and that He wants us to be holy, and He wants us to be righteous. You are the center. You're the core. Lord, that's the thing. We build our lives on that. You're the very center of all things. And so today, Lord, I pray that your people would respond to that. Lord, if there's some who are sitting there going, man, I just need to, I need to respond to that. I, I need to make him the sinner. I've made a lot of other things the sinner. I've made being comfortable the sinner. I've made my family the sinner. I've made having my own way the sinner, making money the sinner, whatever it is. Lord, I need to make you the sinner. I believe in you, but I haven't made you the sinner. I need to do that today. Lord, right now, in Jesus' name, I pray that you will come and speak to hearts and that they will come and hear you and say yes to you. Lord, we love you and we're praising you for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Come as we sing. Lord is good. Amen. Amen. Let's pray together right now. Father, we just thank you for being here today. and Lord, I thank you for those who have come forward and and they're praying right now and they're seeking you and they're asking you for help in whatever circumstance and situation they find themselves in. And God, I pray right now in Jesus' name that you will talk to them, teach them, that they'll sense your presence, that they'll know, God, that right now you have them in your hands, that you are a good God, that you love them, that you want to give them good things, that you want to bless them, that you want to help them, Lord, that you bring discipline, that you bring uh, things against us, Lord, just so that we will listen and wake up and hear you because, Lord, you want us to make our lives best. You want us to be part of the kingdom. Lord, give us a hunger and a thirst for your righteousness today. Lord, the Bible says that if we hunger and thirst after you, that we will be filled. And Lord, right now I pray that uh, the people of Muncie First Church will have an insatiable hunger and thirst for Jesus, for the goodness of God. Lord, I pray for that. And Lord, I pray right now if there's people sitting here who are uncomfortable, then Lord, if you need to keep them uncomfortable, then do it. I'm not praying for comfort. I'm not praying for it to be easy. I'm just asking God that you would show us your goodness and that we would become the people of God that you want us to be. Make us holy people, a righteous people, a good people, good like our Father. Thank you, Jesus, for today. Thank you for what you're doing here. Lord, don't let us get sidetracked. Don't let us just say a prayer and say, well, that was good and everything's okay. And help us to work towards being all that you want us to be. Every one of us here today making that commitment that we're going to follow you, that we're going to make you the center. We're going to put you down. You're the stone we're going to build our lives on. You are the foundation. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. We love you. We praise you. We just ask right now that you'd have your way in this place, in Jesus' name. Now, as we leave this place, I ask that you would go with us and that your presence would be real 
that we would not go out and, and forget about it and just say, well, that was nice and move on. But Lord, that you would go with us and that you would remind us. Keep your thumb in our back and our, your hand on us, our shoulder, and, and remind us, Lord, that, that we're your children and, and that uh, you're our Father, that you discipline us, bring us to the place we need to be because you are good and you're good all the time. And we can trust you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Lord bless. Lord bless. Continue to pray if you need to.